this is Matt Griner from August Prince Red, and you're listening to Interview Under Fire. Matt, thank you so much for joining our podcast today, our interview under fire. It's been a big, yet different, last couple of months for you guys, including the world, obviously. Your latest album, Guardians, has already been out for three months, believe it or not. Uh, Congratulations on all that success and the positive reception it's been getting. Now, before we get to that, I'm going to ask the most important question that's been overlooked as of late. How are you? (laughs) <laughs> how have things been for you and your band as of late and how has everything been since our lives have pretty much changed from March? How's the life in Pennsylvania? My life is, is I'm doing great. Um, but my life's different than a lot of other musicians and in, in bands because of I'm, I have a lot of different passions. Dr- uh, drumming's just one of them. So when something like this happens, it's a little, it's not, it's actually nice. Like this has been a really nice break. I was just saying to a friend yesterday, it's been 15 years, give or take our first tour us. Yeah. was 2005. So it's been like 15 years since we've had this much time off straight without any interruptions, you know? Right. I've really loved it because I've been able to be at home farming um, teaching. I just built an educational website. There, there are multiple facets of um, interest and I've been able to pursue them because I haven't been well in Europe or on tour somewhere in the world. So I, I feel like I am a, I feel like I've been plugged into a wall and just been getting filled up in a way that has been very refreshing. Touring's great. I love the guys I'm in a band with. I love spending half the year with them. Um, I haven't been able to spend time at home like this in so long. And so I'm, re- I'm filled up and refreshed in a different way that I didn't really realize uh, I had been missing. And I, I can't speak for the rest of the band, but I think everyone's doing pretty well. I, as you just mentioned, Guardians came out three months ago. Sheesh. I can't believe it's been three months. I remember the day it came out and yeah. already we're here. Yeah, we're already here. It's crazy. So um the record came out it it did well and people responded to it with the kind of enthusiasm that they would have if we were on tour obviously we wish that we could have finished that kill switch tour we only did 72 hours of it you know yeah i I, I think you know yeah i think you did i think you did two shows or was it one show or something like that right when everything just shut down we did two shows with kill switch and then one one off so it was like literally 72 hours. We've been prepping for that tour for months and we went out for three days. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Uh, you know, you covered so many points on that. I kind of just summed up everything that I wanted to talk about. You know, everything you've just, you know, just put in for these last three months, does this pandemic open up new things for you personally and artistically that you may have not noticed before about yourself? Yeah, for sure. For sure. I get, I'm easily drained by virtual digital media if it's not countered with face-to-face interaction so in other words i my hypothesis for zoom lessons been teaching drum lessons on zoom and just a lot of interviews and press and stuff not dissimilar to this um is that it it requires two times the input and you get half as much of the output so you're having to really push 
to make it meaningful. And what you get out of it is about half as much as if we were sitting in the back lounge of our bus right now doing this interview. Right. It's, it's created opportunities that um, are really special, honestly, to be able to do a lot of press and the music industry shut down. Everyone's looking to create content, but you've, you've had to really pour yourself out in a way that is, um, it can be draining if you're not able to get filled up and refreshed and sort of like, um, contribute actually something meaningful. Otherwise it's just a bunch of words. Who cares? Like it's, it's a, it's a dumb interview. No one wants to listen to it because you just drain from all the other ones. Right. And so if, if you're going to provide good material for a podcast or for an interview or for a drum lesson, you really have to be filling yourself up elsewhere. For me, that's drumming, it's farming, it's being with my family. It's, um, actually looking at the person on the other side of the screen and being like, okay, so we could be sitting in the back of the bus. This is a cool dude. We have a lot in common. Instead of just looking at it as the back of my 13 and a half inch MacBook pro screen. And, and I didn't realize that that would be hard to do, but it, it it's, it's been a, it's been a transition for sure. Yeah. It's almost like a blessing in disguise, all these, you know, it, cause you can talk about the technology and how, how much of a negative impact it has had. Right on society for the last, I don't know, decade, if you want to call it that. Now, this is pretty much all we have when it comes to getting that personal relationship back, just that, just the, you know, just the connection, you know, like I'm sitting here talking to you, obviously, we'd be doing this in Dallas, if you guys were here in Killswitch, you know, you talked about the drumming lessons. What's a typical day for you like in late June? Is a practice situation different? I'm assuming (laughs) you live in a place where you can just uh, set it up however you like without the neighbors complaining. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's great to ask that question. I just took a picture, put it on my Instagram story of my day, a day in the life is what I put. You should maybe pull it up. And I, 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 I did see that. Okay. Yeah. So it's, it's the perfect summation of what a day is like. So I have my steel chainsaw, my DW snare drum, my muck boots, or no, my, my work pants and my truck. You know, and it's just like, okay, he's a hick drummer, farmer. Like, who is this guy, right? I don't know. I don't know who I am. I just a mishmash of all of those things. But just create that brand. Right. <laughs> You're doing it. You're doing it. <laughs> uh, yeah. So today, okay, so for today, two interviews, a gentleman from Poland, really nice guy named Adam. I just did half an interview with him and he's talking about how he saw us in 2017 with Architects. And while she sleeps, right? So then I'm going back in time in my mind, like, oh, yeah, that was a fun show. I, I really like Poland. I really like your your uh, country. I really like the city. I really like the people. Um, and then um, this interview with you, okay? And then um, I, after this, I'm going to the farm to do some work. Uh, we just cut three acres of hay for horse farmers. So we bale small bales, and horse farmers are, are pretty – there, there are a lot of horse farmers in this area and small bales are sought after because they're easy to handle. They're usually 40 to 50 pounds, whereas the big bales are multiple hundred pounds. I'm not even sure we'd never worked with them. So it's a lot of work to, to make these bales, to make good hay. Horses will actually turn their head away from hay that they don't like. They're really, they can be really snooty. So if a horse likes hay, the owner will pay a premium for that hay because thank God my horse likes it. So <laughs> yeah. we're, we're trying that this year, right? 
that's that's similar to what we're doing here, right? Uh, conversation about metal and and drumming, uh, and then from from there I go to the studio with JB and Carson and Grant, our producer and engineer, to um, watch Carson mix a couple songs that we just recorded last week, which will be coming out um, in the short term future. And um, is that at Think Loud? Do some work there. Uh, so Think Loud is the studio we usually work at. We're actually in Palmyra, which is okay, okay. at a small studio called Seventh Wave. I recorded got it, there. Got it, got it, And then after that, I'm, I'm back here to work on my educational website, which is like the Netflix of drumming. Um, pay a subscription fee every month and you have access <laughs> to August Wind's Red songs where you can learn how to play, say, Composure comes out July 1st, breakdown of the song, learn how to play it on drums. So like, I was just looking at this picture of my truck with my chainsaw, my drum, and my work pants. And I'm like, man, I'm so blessed. For someone else, that might look like a nightmare when all they want to do is play drums or whatever. But for me, I thrive on the variety and the diversity. One thing fuels the other thing. And without all of those elements, I don't really feel like I thrive in any of them. I need all of them to succeed. Yeah, I feel like for me, at least, because I can I can relate to that. I I don't want to say struggle. I feel like yeah. if, if a person is struggling, I think it's a way to grow. Mm-hmm. The way we're all at home and just trying the best way to build ourselves, you know, mentally and physically, right. and the best way we can do it. And truth be told, I didn't even know I was going to be doing podcasts three months ago. You know, right. and here yeah. I am. Uh, 30, 40 episodes in, you know, talking to one of the most influential people to me, at least, you know, it's, I think that's just provides a testament to everything that you've done in your career. And, you know, it's, it's, it's a great example of how to build ourselves, everything that you've just accomplished and what we just talked about now. Now, following up on that, you talked about doing the whole lessons, you know, uh, putting composure at July 1st, which is probably the first song I ever heard from ABR. One thing we have seen a lot, and you have seen this live streaming a lot of bands have been doing that you know i believe code orange was one of the first bands to do it i think right when like the week they announced the pandemic code orange that friday they had a new album out do you see that they got in an empty venue and they streamed the live show for the fans so let me ask you this as an artist who's been in the game for as long as you have do you think the quarantine induced live streaming surge that we're seeing now is that going to affect the touring musician business going forward? Do you still see bands doing this even after all this is over? No. No. People, people need to be in person. People need to feel the subwoofer. I, I know that sounds kind of dumb, but it, it, think Not at about, all. I mean, think about being at a show and, and all of the senses that are activated, which also sounds kind of dumb. I'm just trying to put you in the right mindset of like being at a show you're, you're in close, um, close proximity to other people who are like-minded in their love for music. I, I would equate it to this. I heard years ago, this, this idea about surfing. And it's like when you're out in the water and you're surfing with other surfers, your political affiliation, your, you know, religious preference, your background, your worldview, all those things, you don't, they don't matter. They just don't matter because you have this one thing that you're doing that really you can bond with the people around you and you look at them and say, man, that was sick. You see that wave? There are all these conversations happening that are all centered around this common love. That's the way a show is. 
And so as much as live streaming has been helpful and really cool, honestly, um, it's, it's, it's awesome that Code Orange was able to do that and you know, multiple other bands. I think that there's this, this um, X factor that when you go back to a show, you're, you're going to realize how awesome it is to be there and just, um, man, I mean, you know what it's like with the show. It's like when yeah. the economy dies, usually our shows thrive, right? It's like the economy shot, the entertainment industry thrives because people need an escape. They need to get out, spend 30 bucks and just go live it up for a bit and forget about everything that's happening. With live streaming, you're still sitting at home in the, in the same environment in which you are always in. Your phone's next to you. Um, your problems don't seem that far away. Everything's just still close. It's a little escape, but it's yeah. just a, a glimpse. It's a blip. If you get out there to the show, it's like, man, this is awesome. I'm going to live up for three hours, and then I'll go back to the way things are. Um, so I think it's created a change, a shift, but I don't think that it's permanent. I think that there will be a, a semblance of what happened here moving forward until we figure out how to all get back together. I think that um, live shows are, are really going to thrive coming out of this. You know, it, of course, I have the liberty to mosh in my own bedroom if I want. <laughs> but listen, it's, it's, it's it, of course, it's different if I see Matt, Jake, JB, like you guys in front of me, that's a whole different energy as opposed to seeing you guys on screen. There's, it's, you know, it's funny. I'm going to throw this fact out there. The last time I was supposed to see you guys, I believe you guys were with, I think you guys were with Currents. I can't remember the last time you guys were in Dallas. And I didn't, I wasn't able to see you guys because I had back surgery that day. And I was, and I didn't know if I was going to have that surgery until that morning. I had my ticket ready, like ready to go. So pumped to see August Burns Red. What I'm getting at is I was in the hospital and a friend of mine live streamed the show <laughs> from the phone. And I was, and I was watching you guys go, go insane on stage. I believe it was at the Southside Ballroom and I'm, and I'm just, I'm like, oh man, I wish I was there. And how ironic is that? The, my first interview with you guys is live streaming. <laughs> we're, we're streaming this interview. <laughs> 2020. <laughs> so, uh, you know, with the Guardians, were there any album delays for that? Because has it ever crossed your mind for Guardians? Because we've seen bands move their release dates for the records further. Lamb of God, they're one of the bands who actually did that. In oh, Slave, there's another band. You know, they moved it forward. Have, has that ever crossed your mind when it came to album delays for... I mean, you can't plan for a pandemic. There's not like a protocol for it. Okay, here's a pan. A pandemic's gonna happen for Guardians. Okay, this is what we're gonna do. Obviously, that didn't that didn't come into play. But like, how did that work out for you guys? When did you guys decide? Okay, we want to stick to the schedule, and that's that. Yeah, we had a conversation about it. I actually didn't know that Lamb of God pushed it. I was just telling a friend about that record. It's really good. Oh yeah. Um, so obviously, it hasn't affected them in a huge way, and that it came out, and it's obviously still a really good record, but. We, we did talk about it. To your point about a checklist, there, there is no checklist for how to really handle something like that. Um, I guess the conversation was like, what are our fans going to want? Are they going to want to see the record come out as it was planned to be released? Or should we wait and see what happens? We felt like we had been sitting on the material for a long time. And we had been promoting this release date. And it's like, let's just stick to it. Our fans will show up. Our, the support will still be there. We know the music's good. We know the records solid from front to back and people are still going to listen to it. And um, so we, we stuck with it. And I think the, 
the decision was the correct one to make. Yeah, that's always a tricky situation because they're like you guys stuck to the schedule and right. benefited off of it. But you know, Lamb of God, they've they've been around for a long time. I mean, they just released, I believe it was last Friday, they just released that new album. And, you know, it was it could have been the right decision, but it's it it was all on them. And regardless of what happened, you know, like you said, it's a great record. Now I want to throw some numbers at you because we we talked about live streaming and how you're home now. Nearly 20 years you've been into this, 45 countries six continents, about 1,900 shows, all right? What was your favorite part about touring? Because now you seem to, now you're taking like an unseen step back and does it make you have a growing appreciation of the tour life? Because you guys played at Bakken, Brutal Assault. There's food, there's culture, there's fans. There's just so many elements that make up the touring life for what it was. What was your favorite part about it? I think in some ways it's like people ask, what is it going to be like after the band's done? And you, you try to think about that, like, I'll probably look back and feel like it was a different lifetime. It, it honestly sort of feels like that, even though it's not behind us, it's also ahead of us. But because it's been so long since we've had six months straight off with a couple shows thrown in, yeah, sort of, <laughs> um, it feels like a different lifetime. I only have good memories of, of touring. Even the bad days are better than most people's good days. I mean... We always say that, like our, our crew says that. I think sometimes they have to tell themselves that because they're all bad days. It's like, man, this sucks. The catering's terrible. The venue power's dirty. Um, the stage is sticky. The load-in sucks. All these factors, but then they have to get back on the bus and realize, wait a second, our worst day is still better than most people's best. So that's at the very least. And then at, at the most, you have this experience that is so unlike what is normal when you're home, signing autographs, taking pictures, being in a new city every day, traveling everywhere. I mean, like you said, 45 countries, six continents, you know? So I think um, it's, it's all, it's all great. I like all of it and I'm excited to do all of it again. I think the most meaningful thing for me is that I get to do this. I get to play this instrument and people pay to come see us as a group do that together. And by the way, I get to do it with four of the best dudes, you know, I know. Yeah, and, of course. So I'm, I'm just very grateful to be able to play drums as a career. I realize that it's, it's an anomaly. And it's, uh, it's just testament that if you work really hard at something, it, it could actually pan out to be something. If it doesn't, it's still worth attempting it. Doesn't make it um, null and void all the work and time and effort to try to succeed. But it, drumming has been the catalyst for, for all, of the, all of that touring and all of that traveling and all that food and culture and people. And it's just it's wild that I get to hit things for a living. <laughs> The fact that you even get to say that, like it, it already, it already shows like how much passion you have for the crap that you, you know, manifested throughout your career. I know in, I want to touch on Garden just really quick. There was an interview. I don't remember which one it was. You said something about this album, about how you wanted this album to encourage people to look around and see the massive need in the world today, considering everything that's been happening in the world today. Do you feel like this record was everything you hoped it would convey as far as getting that message across? Yeah. 
There's a song called Lighthouse, and I actually wrote the lyrics to it after I got back from church. My pastor, Kevin Eshelman, uh, is a real leader. He's a real pastor. He's a real shepherd. He really cares about the people in his church. He doesn't really want to be on stage. He just knows that he has been given a gift of communicating information that people need to hear, and I really like that about him. Um, and so I really respect what he has to say. He, he preached a sermon on the, on the, um, the Good Samaritan. And I got home from church and I was pretty upset because I realized that in the church we have a lot of people who will walk right past someone in need. And then you have other people who are unchurched who will be the first ones to stop and help them. And it's like, what is going on? Hmm. This is not how it should be. Our leader, our, our, you know, our goal is to be like this person that is Jesus who tells a parable about a man who is broken and beat up and battered on the side of the road, left there to die. And there are religious um, figures, staple quintessential men of God who sort of walk by this guy. So I got back from church and I researched, I'm like, I wonder how wide that road was. Is it I was, possible? I was going to ask that question. Like how big was that? Was Cause I, I know bits and pieces about that, but go ahead. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it's like, could they have not seen him? Is it possible? Maybe. So I researched it and, and what I found is a 17 mile road. What, what they, what they've done as far as research concerning that road is that it was so narrow. In fact, they would have had to have literally stepped over him. Hmm. So religious figure steps over him. Good Samaritan stopped to help. So I wrote this song called lighthouse. It's about how there's a man left to die on the side of the road in the distance. You, you hear church bells speaking, figuratively or metaphorically about how the church is present. It's close by, but inside that church is a congregation with their backs turned to the man praying to a God who's not there because he's actually out with the man in need. And that is what I feel like this, this band has, has had this, this place for a long time of like, we are with people that we want to be around our fans, our friends on tour, other bands, all of, different belief systems, all of different worldviews. But what I see is this community of people who are real and authentic and the type of people that I want to associate with, oftentimes more so than the church, people who I have this theological common denominator with, maybe, but as far as it looks in real life, I want nothing to do with it. Because if you're turning your back to people who are in need, uh, what what's the point of all the talk? It's just, it's talk. It's all talk, no action. So light. Uh, yeah. Lighthouse is a song that, that Jake totally delivered on. He, he absolutely killed it. Taking my lyrics and making them his own, you know, that's, I don't know how he does it, but he, he really sells this idea that he believes in it. And it's because he does. He's a, he's, he's a, he has this mindset of helping people and encouraging people and lifting people up and loving people especially those that are outcast and, and left out. Do you ever feel like when you help somebody, is that, I get this a lot. I don't know if you do, but when you help somebody, I feel like that's a source of inspiration that you feed up on yourself. And uh, does that make sense? That makes you want to do more. I feel like helping somebody is, is just a, uh, just a great way for you to grow yourself as a character. You know, for me, um, you know, I converted to Christianity when I was 13 years old and, you know, I did that all by myself and, you know, it was just, 
something that I like to tell people sometimes, like, you know, when, when I'm at my church, when I'm at my prayer group, whatever the meeting it is, and when I'm with those people, I, it's a story that I like to tell and it gives them encouragement. So everything you're talking about, I, I, I'm kind of just connecting the realm of, you know, just, just that within itself. And it's, it's a very powerful, it's just, just a very powerful message. And with guardians did that, this album, did it provoke each of you five individuals to tap into a different dimension of August Burns Red that you may not have noticed before? I, I, I don't know that it did that because we sort of been doing the same. We've been approaching songwriting for so long from the same place. JV and Dustin are the, the primary musical songwriters. Right. They always just set out to write, um, music that they would like to listen to their standard for themselves is really high and so if they're happy with it then we're all happy with it but as far as lyrically speaking brent and i do a lot of the lyrical writing and i feel like we both have our own style and it's sort of been that way since like messengers when i started writing for the band um but i you know i'm just i'm happy that i'm in a band with people who are okay with a democratic way of writing where everyone contributes. And if I have an idea for, for, for JV on guitar, which I never do, but let's just say Dustin has an idea for me on drums, which he does. I'll take it, even though he's not the drummer in the band, because as it turns out, everyone can have good ideas, regardless of if, they, if yeah. they play the instrument. Was there a, well, how important was the theme for this album? And, how important do you think our themes anyway? Is that more about helping you guys try to write and sound or is that more for the audience? Because a lot of artists, they do, you know, like they don't really care about themes. They do 10 songs and that's it, which is fine. You know, that's more power to them. But I feel like you guys specifically wanted to go this route. And uh, was, did that help? Um, thematically, I would say we, we don't have an idea in mind or a concept in mind. We just start writing and we look back on it and say, huh, seems like there's a theme instead of it being like let's set out to create this theme whatever transpires as we look back is maybe something we can kind of join together and say i think it's about helping people i think it's about um you know finding finding ways to lift other people up um or i think it's about this deeper issue in our country or in the world, I think it's about community, whatever it is. It's like we, we look back and we see it versus we look ahead to try to find it. It's all hindsight, I would say. Yeah. Uh, do you, man, that's, that's a great answer. Do you see this album as being as a snapshot of where you are in a certain time of your life? Yes. Yes, I do. The last, the last two years were a unique time in my life on a personal level. And I actually didn't want to write lyrics for this record. I, I told Dustin, I'm like, I am not writing lyrics. I have all this writing, but I, I don't even want to look at it. And he's, he called me and he's like, please write for this album. People want me to connect to it. And I was like, nope. And then he called me again. He's like, please. And I'm like, maybe. <laughs> and so I ended up looking at everything and writing five or six lyrics for it. But they're not lyrics I would write today or next year. Not that I disagree with it, but uh, I, I'm not in the same place I was at a year ago or two years ago. And I would say Brent probably the same too with what he was writing at the time. And 
you know, our lives are constantly changing. So you're writing from that place that you're currently in. Have your aspirations as a person or a band, have they evolved since when you first started playing in the industry? Do you see things differently now? I would say probably not all that much. Really? I, I, I really think that our, our focus, it's like the Amish community here in Lancaster, they have horses and the horses have blinders so they don't get distracted by anything else. I feel like we as a band have horse blinders on and <laughs> that we're really focused on just creating music that we love and everything that happens is a subsection to that goal. Because if we, if we follow anything else, then if that thing doesn't deliver, then we're frustrated and let down because we didn't get anything. But if we are happy with the music, then regardless of what happens, the response and the support, at least we're happy with one thing. We get, we get at least one thing out of it. If you get more than that, then you get all of it put together. I always like asking, yeah, I always like asking that question because I get so many different answers and uh, it seems like, like you knew exactly what you were going to, were going to answer with because some people yeah. see it differently because they, they grow, they all the experiences they have just encompassed throughout their career. And I didn't even know that that was just a great perspective that you just put on, you know, and I know you, one of your couple of your influences are David Husvick of Extol and Joe Walmer of Blind Influence. Shout out to those guys. Now, like it or not. I'm going to tell you this. It seems like a lot of contemporary metal drummers are taking a lot of cues from Matt Griner. <laughs> and, you know, we talked about this briefly. My brother, James, you know, he, he worked at a guitar center for a long time, you know, and when I would visit him every now and then, the first two years that he was there, every kid that came into the store wanted to be just like you. Now, are you even aware you're in that position? Does that put any pressure on you? Yes, I think, I think it does. That was a great, that was a great reaction. How do you say it? Um, man, it's just, it's just wild that, well, a couple months ago, I got an email from David from Extol, and he's like, hey, I started a new band, and August Prince Red is going to be touring over here. What do you guys think about taking us out on tour? And so I was responding to the email, just getting work done, you know, just trying to get through my emails or whatever. And um, I, I stopped and I was like, wait a second, this is crazy. If you were to tell my, my 17 year old self, the drummer for Extol, my favorite band, the reason I got into metal drumming is emailing me to see if my band could take his band out, I would say you're nuts. And here it is, it's happening. And so I think what it does for me is it makes me dig my feet in, makes me dig my heels in. It makes me really work harder to make sure that I'm giving this everything I, I can because I realize how delicate it is. I realize how close I am to not having all of this at my fingertips. It took years and years and years and years to build, but I, I do realize how quickly things change how quickly trends change, how quickly your influence can change. And so I, it, it, it's helpful in um, giving me more drive, not less drive, more positive pressure, not less pressure to do a good job and to really give it everything. 
Does it feel like, I don't know if this is the right word for it, building a legacy. Is that something that's important to you? If, if, if I have a legacy to build, man, I want to, I want to, I want to build it. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm doing as good of a job as I can. I mean, case in point, you're doing this, you know, and you have the lesson drum videos that's coming out July 1st. <laughs> I mean, I, I can't imagine just, it's, it's again, it's a testament to the craft that you've made. And I, I think it's just an amazing thing to be, to be proud of. And that was great when you talked about how being an instructor, it, I feel like it does influence the way you write and play. And, and I'm actually seeing that, you know, with your awesome stories that you post, you know, I, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know. If, is that true? Like, do you feel like that, that because you have all this, all these students who are looking up to you and, you know, it doesn't seem like there's any pressure, but it feels like you're comfortable with what you're doing. Yeah. I, I think I feel less pressure less nerves and less anxiety than I used to feel because I've, made myself available to people. I'm not hiding behind a wall. I'm, I'm, I'm showing exactly where my weaknesses are. I'm showing, I'm, I'm releasing content where I'm not perfect. And I think when you let those walls down, you let people see you, it's liberating. It's, it's not, um, it, it's not, it's not um, fear inducing. And I'd never really realized that. I wish I would have learned that earlier. But for me, it was like, create this image that is perfection. And everyone will think that you are perfect. And it's like, well, maybe, but probably not because I'm human just like everybody else. And it's actually going to hold me back, not set me free. And so as soon as I started to, to realize that, it's like, I can post a video of myself playing this song and there's a couple mess ups in there. It's like, oh, wait, people don't hate me and despise me and throw me away for that. In fact, they like seeing that I'm just like them. I'm going to keep doing this. And so it's, it's, it's put a lot of fun back in places where I was like, ah, man, I don't know if I can do this. You know, I don't really like this anymore. Been a positive, not a negative for sure. Yeah. You know, we've covered so many topics so far, you know, with our conversation now, I want to ask, you know, we briefly touched on the grinder farms and I was going to ask with this question, you could tie it into that. What are, the what are the interests do you have that feeds, feeds your creativity within the band, something that doesn't involve music? You know, you have Grinder Farms. You know, you talked about that being your favorite place in the world. And you're, after you, we finish this interview, I know that's, that's where you're going to go. You know, it's, I guess I'm going to ask the obvious. How did you get into farming? And do you see this continuing, like, for the rest of your career? I, I, I think yes. You mean the farming? Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it has to, I bought in, I have a massive amount of debt. <laughs> yeah, it's got, it's got to continue because I, got, I, I, I got a farm mortgage to pay off. Um, I was born and raised on the farm. That's where I was. That's where I was. That's as a kid, I was working every Saturday and every other night that my dad needed help, which was most nights. We started the band on my parents' farm. We started the, awesome. our publishing name is still egg room publishing because we practice in an egg room or a thrill seeker in there. And, Messengers in the Chicken House, Constellations. Um, I miss Thrill Seeker. We were at Thrill Seeker on the farm too, a different part of it. But uh, my work ethic for playing drums and doing what I do now really stems from the farm. I didn't get anything out of it financially. I didn't really get a lot of thank yous and you did a great job. I just worked because that's what you do. Yeah. To be done and you just put your head down and do it. And that's carried over into what I do now in every I hope every area of what I do, it's like you, you put in the work because 
that's what's expected of you. And if you want to see results, you, you're going to have to work for it. It's not going to be handed to you. You're not going to be given it. It's not free. It's costly. And it's going to require something of you. And that's, that's all. I thank the farm for all of that. So last year I bought 70 acres, 50 tillable. So I grow corn and soybeans for livestock consumption. And then I have uh, some woods. I have a pond. There's a lot of wildlife there. It's a farmhouse I fixed up a bank barn. It's just a, it's an entire way of life. And you're right. As soon as we're done here, I'm going over there to, to work with my dad on some hay. So it's every day that I have time to do it, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. You know, before I let you go to that farm, I'm going to, this is the last part of the interview, which is my favorite part. And I've done this with every artist. It's, it always throws them off. I'm going to put you on the hot seat. Hot seat. All right. You're, on, you're technically in a seat already, but what I'm going to do, we talked about how you write for your songwriting within August Burns Red. I'm going to see if you know your own songs. You up for that? Uh-huh. <laughs> Give it to me. All right. I'm going to read some lyrics. You just tell me what song it's from. You're already ready for this. I'm going to throw some, you know. Deep cuts. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to start off easy. I promise. You got this. You probably like, just throw light at me. All right. <clears throat> Trusted they were safe in your hands. Your oath be damned. Just another hypocrite's plan. Your oath be damned. I have no idea. <laughs> that is not a lyric I wrote. I can tell you. <laughs> I have no We're already clue. off to a bad start. <laughs> are you going to tell me who? Are you yeah, tell it's uh, Dismembered Memory. Yeah, never a <laughs> lyric. <laughs> so much for starting off easy. Okay, moving on. I'm waiting impatiently while your skin turns thin. You can't ignore what surrounds you forever. Oh my God. I have no idea. (laughs) My sister says, Matt, you are terrible with lyrics. When I try to sing along to a song, I I don't know the words to the most popular top 40, but I'll play the beat. I'm like, I'm a drummer. (laughs) I have no clue. That is not an ABR song. That's Generations. I think I actually wrote that one. That's embarrassing. Oh my, do you want to keep going? Yeah. <laughs> all right, all right. This is, this is great. <laughs> all right. Um, I'm throwing it way back here. So I'm going to see if you can get, this is a challenge. As if, as if the last two weren't challenges already. So <laughs> <laughs> unleashed in a second, I'll catch them off guard. It hurts to say that I'm at a loss for words, but you've brought this on yourself. Oh, dude, I recognize this one, but oh my gosh, I don't know. Think 2004. Oh. Uh, looks fragile after all. Yep, yep. You got that, that right. Music to her awakening? Miss Missing this opportunity. Oh, missing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm hard, dude. Man, if anything, if anything, I'm making you rethink your set list. So. <laughs> deep, deep. Deep cut. You're going to go to Jamie and be like, hey, uh, let's add this. He's going to be like, what? Like, why are we playing this? Yeah, right. You're talking about live streaming, like, play, just to play everything from that EP. All right. <laughs> All right. No more ignorance. No more complacency. Behind your white skin and white teeth lies a heart so black it makes the abyss look bright. I love that lyric. Dude, didn't write that one either. Blackwood. Brent wrote that one. Yep. That was on, uh, yeah, that's, 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 uh, that's, a, that's a tough song. There, yeah, man. found in faraway places. Man, see, the, again, this shows, the, this shows how 
wide your catalog is and the songwriters, the, the, just, the amount of people that actually put in the hard work to put the lyrics you know the songs right there that's that's awesome that he wrote that <laughs> it's like man please do not air this <laughs> <laughs> okay this is my favorite album this plane's going down in flames and okay. this time the, oh okay wrote that one indonesia yeah man not even like what seven words into it you got that down <laughs> <laughs> okay this is actually the first song i heard from august burns red all right are people more concerned with the temporary pleasures of this world rather than your own eternal salvation? I'm now convinced that this is the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wrote this one. It's on uh, Messengers of Constellations and... <sighs> further back. Oh, further back. Yeah. I was wrong and I did not write this one. Uh, seventh trumpet. Yeah, you got the song right. You like you said two other albums that the that song wasn't even on. It's apocalyptic. It sounds apocalyptic. So yeah, that was the first song. Uh, a friend of mine uh, gave me this album in high school, and he said, "Check out this album." That was when I was being, you know, like really into metal, and this was one of the first, you know, songs I heard on that. And I, I was like, "Let's go to the last song." I don't know why I did that. I mean, yeah. and then the seventh trumpet it blew me away, and then you know that was just. Thrill Seeker, it, it's, it holds a special place in my heart. It's also Constellations, but, you know, Thrill Seeker is where it's yeah. with me. But anyway, that's the fan in me. Okay, we got two more. <laughs> You're probably like, oh, my gosh, this is, this is never ending. I have this many albums? All right. <laughs> <laughs> None of them will make anything of themselves. They don't need their own lives. The ones we have planned will work just fine. The world is a terrifying place. Oh my gosh, that's another Brent lyric. Um, this is so this this is so relevant to everything that's happening too. That sounds more recent. Uh, think okay, okay. Think this is after Thrill Seeker. Oh well, Messengers. <laughs> Backburner. Blinding light. I think I Blinding believe, light. I believe Backburner was the song before this. I can't. Yeah. Remember. It was before or after. Okay. Show our eyes true color. We want to hear the trumpet roar. We want to hear the trumpet roar with words that trample the pagan's cavalry. Oh, dude, uh, that's a Jake lyric for sure. Um, and I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. It's not like it's Mariana's Trench or Redemption or... We're, we're, uh, we're actually in... This is two albums. I believe this is, this is after Messengers. This is this is on Leveler. Oh, Leveler, okay. I'm trying. I'm just trying to like scramble. What clue can I give you? So it's like just tell me the album. It's. You want to read it again? Okay. Wait. Is it? Um, is it? Um, it's not Poor Millionaire. Um, is it? Uh, it's not Mariana's Trench. No, it's Mariana's Trench. I believe is on uh, Constellations. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Forty nights. For- Salt and light. Salt and light. That's Jake lyric. I got that part of the question right. My <laughs> yes, God. you did. I will give you that one. I don't, I, I'm gonna. I'm. You have a thousand points. I don't know how you have a thousand points, but I'm gonna give it to you anyway. <laughs> All right. This. This is actually the last one. I promise. Staring at the walls to pass the time. Pinch myself. Make sure I'm still alive. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not all right. It's become a disguise. Spirit breaker. Yep. I got to end it with one that you know. 
Yeah, we got it. Just ended on a high note because yeah, I, yeah. I was this close to reading Wrecking Ball because that Miley Cyrus cover you guys did in 2014. I was like, nah, <laughs> you know, that'd be funny. You would actually probably get that right on the spot. But anyway. <laughs> man, Matt. Uh, so we've we've done we've covered so many topics. Is there any last shout outs you have? Any last plugs you just want to put out there before we end this amazing podcast we just had? What's the name of your podcast? Oh. Interview Under Fire podcast. Oh, okay. I didn't realize that was a name. I just, um, so Interview Under Fire. Uh, yeah. Listener to this, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I don't really have anything to plug other than. Um, your lessons. Yeah. If, if you're listening to this, then, then thank you for the support. And um, we really hope to get out there soon. I think um, once we do, it will be really refreshing for everybody to actually be together again. So. Thank you for the support. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And everyone who's listening, August Burns Red's eight album, Guardians, is out now and came out already three months ago. It's out on Fearless Records. Check it out. Pick it up. Support these guys. And they will be back on the road as soon as you know. It's just fuel to the fire that we're all putting in right now. And make sure to check out MattGrinderLessons.com. You know, he has a lot of content out there, just a lot of stored up energy he wants to put out there. And uh, you won't be disappointed by the least. So, Matt. Thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. You know, uh, when you guys come back to Dallas, let's do another interview with you and the boys. It'd be great to do that. Hey guys, thanks for listening to Interview Under Fire podcast. If you guys liked what you heard, please subscribe and share our channel. And please leave a five-star review as that helps us tremendously. And also, if you guys have any questions or comments, you can find us at Interview Under Fire at Facebook or at Instagram. Or you can write us directly at schwag at interviewunderfire.com. That's S-C-H-W-A-G at interviewunderfire.com. Or Rezablade, that's R-E-Z-A-B-L-A-D-E at interviewunderfire.